Hello and welcome to the Mental Sweet Spot Podcast, where we share stories, tips, and strategies for coaching the mental game of softball. I'm Melanie Rushing, and today I'm joined by another amazing guest who's going to share how she creates a culture that feels like family. As I mentioned last episode, we're putting together the next round of our live team culture training, the Dream Team Blueprint Bootcamp. Softball coaches will leave this five-day boot camp with a complete blueprint for building their dream team culture and the game plan to execute it. You'll be able to sign up for this low-cost, high-impact program on Sunday, May 3rd. So to make sure you don't miss the signal and lose out on our amazing bonuses, head to mentalsweetspot.com to join the waitlist. Now onto the show. She's the head coach at Ball State University, and you'll learn quickly why her program is so great. A former All-American at Notre Dame and professional player for the Chicago Bandits, she's continued to do big things in her coaching career. In her time at Ball State, she's led the team to victories against top teams in the nation and individual accolades at the conference and regional levels. But I'd be willing to bet the most impressive accomplishments will come with those five-year-later messages from her student-athletes saying how much of an impact she's had on them. So let's get to it and listen into our interview with Coach Megan Bartlett. Welcome, Thank Coach. Thank you so much for having me. This is so much fun. Yeah, thanks, Coach, for joining us. Um, we really appreciate your time today. Absolutely. Happy to do it. So we're going to dive right in. Um, I was fortunate enough to see you speak at the Michigan High School Coaches uh, Softball Clinic last weekend. So one, thank you for your time and coming for that. But two, it was an awesome presentation, and you talked a lot about not only um, just coaching Generation Z, but also you, you touched on your culture and the things that you do at Ball State. So how would you describe your culture at Ball, Street, at Ball State in just three words? Ooh, in three words. Well, there's actually four pillars. I could give those to you. That would be oh, totally okay. okay. Yeah, you can <laughs> yeah, have four. Right? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so you give me the luxury of one more word. Um, family, hard work, toughness, and gratitude. I think everything that we do at Ball State, um, you know, really – in a way that we try and live our lives and um, show the kids, I don't know, hopefully <laughs> what rational, reasonable, passionate, healthy adulting looks like um, kind of goes back to those, those four things. And um, so while it's pretty simple and you see the words up on the wall, we try and make it bigger than that. How we interact with them every day. They know that we, we care about them um, and that the relationship with the the kid, right? Not just the athlete, what they can do for the program is really, really important to us. Um, and, you know, the, the family piece gets tough sometimes. You know, I feel like I do more um, warning them on their unofficial visits about, okay, so family sounds really sparkly and flowery until I'm the person telling you you're not working hard enough and it's not good enough and the program needs more from you and, or, you know, I'm calling you on, you know, you're doing something I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll call it, um, chalk it up to lack of life wisdom. And you're doing something as a teenager, you think like this is the best idea ever. And I'm about to tell you it's not, and this is why. And those things are tough. I think anytime that you're around a group of people that can be really honest with you, sometimes that feels really great. And sometimes that feels really terrible. <laughs> um, but it all goes back to their relationships. You know, we, we're all going to get the best out of each other and the coaching staff included if we can all push each other and check each other. And as long as that's coming from a place of love and trust, I think you've got something special. Um, so simple words, but a lot goes into it. That's for sure. 
Oh man, we could go so many directions already, but I'm going to start with the first one. <laughs> yeah. I hate when oh, I don't know how to like, guess like that. I just shot us into 40 directions. We only have half an hour. Awesome. But we will narrow down. Okay. Starting with family and building that trust because I'm 100% on board. It's got to be the family culture where we're honest with each other and we sometimes have to do the hard things and have the hard conversations. How do you start that right away, bringing in the new kids and from fall ball all the way into spring, having those honest conversations that are sometimes hard? Yeah, the reality is I think um, that really starts when they're 16 and 17 and you really begin recruiting them and start to create that relationship with them um, in kind of some really formative years and honestly create that relationship with their parents. When we say family, um, we truly mean it. I mean, I feel like we've got a really solid, um, bought in, really passionate collective group, not just the coaches and the players, um, but mom, dad, brother, sister, and all those things. But that starts when they're 16. And I told you, I, I do more warning people in the recruiting process about this is going to be tough and we're demanding and we're tough and it's not going to be easy. And you're, you know, to this point in your life, you've been the superstar, but you're going to be around some stud athletes and some ballers and people that are going to push you on and off the field. And honestly, if they're not pushing you with words, they're going to push you with actions and you're not going to get a break. You will like many life experiences, you will get out of this what you put into it. Um, and I really think Ball State softball can give kids the world. I'm so proud of it. Um, but I think when you set those expectations up front in the recruiting process and the kid still has the option to say yes or no, you know, like, yeah, yeah, I'm in. Like, I, that's the environment I want. And those are the people I want to surround myself with. And the parents trust you that you're looking out for their kids. And the message is going to be tough sometimes. But at the end of the day, you want what's best for their kids and their program, that's a, that's a big linchpin in the whole thing. We've got wonderful families and wonderful parents, and I can promise you um, there are people that have put a lot of trust in us to guide and to mentor and to protect and look out for their kids. And, you know, so I think from there, it's probably just a, you know, avalanche effect. It starts small and gets really big, and then you can do the things you need to do to coach them and make them better down the road. I think that speaks, you know, volumes, you know, to your culture because it's the whole Ball State program, right, is involving everyone, the coaches, the athletes, their parents, and and I'm assuming also like past athletes, right, so that takes a, it takes time, right, to build that culture, but it's, everything is, I can tell already, is already intertwined in everything that you do. So with that said, yeah. I know that part of your presentation, right, we talked about this generation and all the distractions that they have. Um, that may distract them from being fully immersed into the culture or not maybe maybe not part of the family pillar, right? So what are some of the things that you do to help your athletes with all of the distractions that they have today? Well, we have very high expectations for how they perform, you know, not only in the classroom, but on the field. But I think probably more than we're worried about the results there is are you just keeping your priorities in the right order? Um, and there's a few things that go into that. Of course, um, I'm constantly in the know about what's going on, you know, on the field, off the field, in the classroom. Um, a lot of times, you know, they're, they're, they're still teenage girls. They're going to tell you about their personal life. And, you know, we try to 
not judge, just share your wisdom and your life experience with them and mentor them on in that facet really honestly goes back to, I think when they're 16, 17, 18, we try to recruit kids that they want to, they want to play ball, you know, Ball state, you will get an, an amazing education. Um, we know that it's, it's academically, it's a strong school. They have their really their run of majors. I mean, I think we have over 200 majors and there's maybe one or two that are tough to play softball with. So you can really do what you want. You'll get a phenomenal education there. Um, but man, we do our best to, I think, really get to know recruits and kind of vet them a little bit and figure out not only just the right fit for the program, but the right fit for our program is that you want to come and grind and play ball and be feisty. Like, so that priority, like the priorities of school and softball stay so, so far up the food chain that the rest of the, I think the noise and the distraction that you're talking about comes such a, you know, it's vastly noise that's last to these kids. Um, because if those kids come to us with that already built in, they're going to be totally fine. Of course, life gets fast and college happens and college is fun. And honestly, it should be fun um, and they should have some balance in it. Um, but I, again, I think it goes back to who are you inviting into the program and what expectations and are you setting early on and then trying to figure out um, kind of how they tick and, you know, what's been ingrained in them at that point. You know, it's, that's the trick. I think it's a little bit of a process of really getting to know the kids you're recruiting, not just are they talented, um, you know, but all, are you speaking the same language? Do they want the same things? To go off that hard work part of your pillars. So you've recruited kids that you know are capable of it, but we all know, as you said, things get in the way. What are some things you notice that kind of chip at the athlete's commitment in the moment, maybe it's mid-season, maybe it's that break <laughs> between fall and spring. Yeah. What things do you find you have to kind of get ahead of? And how do you help the girls stay committed when there's other things pulling their attention away? Yeah, honestly, I, I think as I've become a head coach and I think I'm, I don't know, 12 years into this dance now in my coaching career, I think, you know, I worked for the the most wonderful woman, Kim Schuette at Purdue, um, who comes from a, just a different background than I do. So I have a couple business degrees and a law degree. Um, and Kim is an educator. So she's got a degree in education and she comes from a whole family that have taught anywhere from, you know, you know, middle school, high school, and they were all, they're all coaches. And she, that's just the, how she grew up in the world she grew up in. Um, so one of the things that stuck with me after working for Kim that she was so in tune with the time of year and like when midterms were coming up, when finals were coming up, that was literally something that was never crossed my mind to think about. So just understanding, I think the value of a break and a day off once in a while, because the most wonderfully hardworking and committed kids, man, I feel like that's this generation, like there's, there's no quelling and they don't, they don't compartmentalize that well. It's kind of like if they start to get worked up about one thing, it's going to bleed into the next. So I think I've now learned the value of just a good old fashioned day off, you know, like Thursday was a good example. Um, and I, they, they'd had a hard lift on Tuesday and the hitters kind of looked tired to me. And you know, if the hitters start to look tired, the pitchers and catchers are probably in, you know, worse shape at that point. Um, and I actually, 
I should have thought to ask the question and I didn't, but I just, after Wednesday, decided I was going to give them Thursday totally off and they needed to sleep and kind of take care of their bodies a little bit. And then of course, one of my science kids, she's a, um, she's going to be a dentist eventually. She's brilliant. She looked at me, she's like, Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Our organic chem midterms on Friday. And I was like, dang it. I knew it. Cause I've got a third of my team is, you know, pre-med, pre-dental, um, pre-PT, whatever. They're, they're brilliant. They're, but the, you know, the science majors that takes so much out of you on exam week, they're up late studying. And then of course they're lifting and training and probably everything's rushed. They're not even eating as well as they should be. Um, so I think getting in front of at our level, um, the academic calendar and kind of calendar and understanding, you know, that was, was important to me, but man, just, you know, is, is, you know, letting them miss a two and a half hour practice so they can get some more homework done or catch up on sleep. Is that going to make a massive difference when we head into postseason? No, probably not. It was probably better that they're a little more calm and a little more rested. Um, you know, they're not going to miss the hundred, 150 tests that we were going to take. So like all good things, probably finding some balance, you know, that's tough when you're a young coach, and I think you learn it in time. And, you know, back to we try and model it for them. So I know when I get in a point where I start to look really tired and really stressed, and it's always right around that back half of spring break, they can feel that on me, right? So I've either got to do a really, really, really good job of getting some extra sleep and hiding it, um, or, you know, we're all going to step away for a few days and take a break and then come back to it. I like to give them two or three days off at that point in the year. Um, so I don't know. I think learning your kids, learning the, the demands that you can't always conceptually foresee, asking the right questions. That's one of those grand tricks in life, right? Know when to mm -hmm. ask the right question. Oh my gosh. And it is a skill that must be practiced. <laughs> <laughs> I remember Absolutely. the very first time uh, my assistant coach who we spoke about, Hannah, who actually played at Ball State uh, right before you came there, uh, suggested mm -hmm. one time to me that we give the kids off a day before the game. And I said, what? Are you kidding me? The day before a game? I've never done that in my 20-year career. What? You know? And, uh, <laughs> but she convinced me, you know, that kind of what you mentioned, right, is like, are those extra reps that they get at practice really going to make a difference in tomorrow's game? And I said, no. And they kind of like similar to what your student did or a student athlete was like, yes, thank you so much. My catcher texted me. I think she said I cried when I got the text that we had practice off. Right. So, but they came back that next game and they were just on fire. And I think sometimes if, if we expect our kids to not be result driven, right. Or outcome driven that, that we can let go of those things too and just really value not only the balance, but sometimes rest is even more important than actually taking those extra reps. Yeah, absolutely. And that's never an easy call to make as no. coaches. No. You know, that you always feel like, what can we do? Can we do more? What can we keep in our control? Um, this kind of tends to be the nature of the beast. We're a little type A. We like to be mm -hmm. in control as much exactly. as we can. And that's kind of just, you know, oh, being able to just take a breath and throw your hands up. It's, it's hard to know when and why, but it's definitely a skill, um, you know, you get better at the more you do it. And I don't know, I don't know if there's a perfect formula, but yeah, just knowing your kids, know when they need a break and uh, form follows function. Cause if they're hitting that point, chances are as a coaching staff, we're probably 
you know, mentally and emotionally at a similar, similar place too. You know, it's all kind of interconnected. We're all feeling the same things. Absolutely. So that kind of bleeds into my next question about, about toughness, right? Because that's one of your pillars as well. So how does, how do you balance that, right? As a coach, when, and how do your players, uh, what do they actually, what does toughness mean to them, right? So toughness, the way I was brought up is that you battle through pain, you battle through all this stuff and you never quit, that kind of stuff. But, but balancing the, the days off, right, uh, and everything else that they have to do, what does toughness mean to them when they're actually present in that practice and during games? Yeah, so for us, um, I think that, I, I don't know, we can use our offensive attack as an example. Um, but we talk about toughness in the realm of being calm and being collected a lot um, and under control and being tough in the fact that we're emotionally and mentally under control and in a clear place for our hitters. It was so funny. I had a conversation with one of my seniors actually before, right. You know, before I headed down here and uh, she's like, Oh, I just don't feel like I'm as consistent as I should be. And I'm like, Okay, so fourth time around the sun with this kid, I already see this coming. And I'm like, it's really easy. No, I don't know if it's easy, but it's easier to stay really clear in your head, really calm mentally, stick to your approach when you're the kid that, you know, is good for, you know, our three hitters, a perfect example, Haley Dominic. She's going to get at least a hit every game. She's always good for a hit. Um, she might pop in too. She's probably going to take a walk. You know, so Haley's going to be around a 350 average. She's going to put up some great power numbers. Um, but she's going to do her part, you know, a little bit every day. Kennedy, extraordinarily powerful. Kennedy's got more power in her pinky than most people have in their body. But what, just what we know about Kennedy, we can, you know, she's about a 300 average on the air. She'll put up some, I think, pretty impressive power numbers. But she's a kid that she's going to go, you know, three for four or four for four in a game with a jack and a double. And then she's, you know, she'll hit a couple balls hard, but she may go, you know, two full games and not get another hit, you know, maybe three. And while the numbers at the end of the day, it's a body of work and they'll reconcile, that feels totally different. You know, the, the games that Kennedy's going to go over, over, she's going to have to find a way to just take a breath and look at hitting as a body of work um, and not get wrapped up in any one pitch, one at bat, one game, because it doesn't tell the tale. You know, in the aggregate, the, the numbers are going to play themselves out. Um, you know, she'll be a little more powerful. Batting average might be slightly lower, but they're going to be high, both highly, highly productive kids and have a similar OPS. So, yeah, that, so for us, you know, and on the mound, it's so funny. Jeremy, my pitching coach, um, you know, he threw for the New Zealand national team for a long time and he threw for our national team, the U.S. Um, and Jeremy Manley is just, he's a dynamic pitching coach. He's wonderful. And he's wanted such a high level of our game for a really long time. But he talks to the girls all the time. Like you're going to go out and you're going to have a day where you are lights out and you're going to get beat. You know, the, the one ball you missed on, or, Hey, you might have even, you even missed the whole game. And you throw a brilliant pitch. Someone went yard on it. We lose two to one. You're going to have days where you show up and you don't have it. And you can't get your rhythm under control. And we're losing your best pitch. And you're going to win a six to seven ball game. And the reality is, is you have to look at it as a body of work. You get super frustrated, you know, and with us in the recruiting process, we know that we just tend to attract a very type A, slightly perfectionist kind of kid. 
So when they get, you know, too high, too low, overly frustrated, sequencing is going to get out of whack. Um, you know, they're, they're going to get so frustrated that all they're seeing is red at that point. So we, we just know the exact type of, I guess, emotion and personality that we're going to have to manage. But I feel like the more we educate the kids about, it's about the process. It's not about the results. Um, and that's literally how we train them and talk to them every single day. That helps. That's, that's in the long term. That's going to help them be tougher. They're going to understand that there's nothing that makes me crazier, you know, watching my team or go on recruiting and a kid hits like an absolute laser. The best is when they hit an absolute laser, like an outfielder, right? And the outfielder catches it and they were like, Ugh! and then you get like the hands go up and the frustrated look and you can tell that it's bleeding into the next at bat and they're mad for the, the next couple at bats. And I'm like, dude, that was literally, that was a brilliant hit. It was, you know what I mean? I don't, I don't right, know. Right. Like, no, I we try and combat a lot of those emotions with educating them, making sure they're looking at things in the aggregate, not letting one at bat, you know, one at bat, one pitch be more important than the other. But that again, so much easier said than done. Cause the minute you pull emotion into that very logical conversation, you know, things get messy and that's where you lose people. So that's, that's the, for us, that's the best route I feel like I found. Cause you're right. When we were growing up, it was, you know, I'm going to hit a million ground balls at you as hard as I can. And if one bounces off your body, get back in there and figure it out. Check it out. Yeah. Rub some dirt on it. Um, yeah. It's just, you know, think things are different. And, um, so we, we try and attack that a little bit more with, you know, numbers, education, um, making them really intelligent ball players. So speaking of the emotional side of it, I have kind of found lately that when I can't out logic the emotions I'm feeling, gratitude is an amazing tool. It's kind of like hitting emotion with emotion. So what do you guys do yeah. with that pillar? How do you guys pull that into action? Yeah, I think, I don't know that I can put my finger on, you know, one particular like team building exercise or something. Um, the one that comes to mind, honestly, I stole from Alabama from Pat Murphy. I thought it was brilliant. Um, he does affirmation bags. I guess we now do affirmation bags. So each of the girls um, have just a little like paper bag. And so the week before we travel, they work on affirmations for each other. And you can, everybody's a part of it. So like so many things in our program, uh, the coaching staff or support staff, of course, all the girls are managers um, and the girls can write nice affirmations to each other. You put it in the bag and nobody can look at it. Um, and the coaches will go grab them before we get on the bus to leave for our first uh, trip. So next week, that'll be down here at UL. And uh, then the girls open them up you know, once we're on the plane or the bus, wherever we tell them to. And it's like this really just lovely moment. Like they're crying and they have tears in their eyes. And like, I didn't know people thought of me this way. And so that's one way we tangibly make them put it to paper. But I think form follows function. But, you know, it's such a funny thing in coaching that we'll just have a moment where we're like having welcome back barbecue or, you know, Teen Thanksgiving dinner that they cook, by the way. Um, all their parents should thank me. My kitchen is destroyed at the end of the day. Um, but we are giving those girls valuable life skills. They're learning how to 
you know, they go shopping, they create their recipes, uh, they, they cook it, but they have a ton of fun. They've got the music on and Christmas movies going while they do it. And, um, you know, or, and of course we do, you know, Christmas dinner as a team too, but it's something that I verbalize to them all the time, right? That I'm so grateful for the, the 22 kids in that room and that they chose Ball State softball and they chose us because they all had a ton of options. Um, you know, up and down the food chain, and they, they chose to dig in and, um, you know, go to school in Muncie and be with us on the journey and make it great. And I think to say thank you to the kids, right? They do something, they do something nice, or they do something clever, they do something nice for one of their teammates, I think, acknowledging it, it's just so much, it's just ingrained, I think, and uh, not only how I interact with them and the rest of the coaching staff interacts with the kids, but they know that's my expectation of how they treat each other. You don't get to be a butthead and stay in our program. It's not, it's absolutely not going to happen. Um, and that is, you know, I think one of the unspoken rules, if you will, if I guess if we have those in our program that you're going to be good to the person next to you. And I hope these girls, whoever I coach, year after year, they leave our program with a superpower of looking another female in the eyes to her face and telling her, I think that was amazing. And I think you are wonderful. Thank you. I appreciate you. Not, not text it to somebody, not put it on, just on a piece of paper, but to be able to look at somebody, you know, and it shouldn't be that hard. It's people you grind with and bleed with and, you know, laugh with, and they're going to be your bridesmaids eventually, but um, I don't, I don't want that skill to be lost on them. You know, it's human, but I definitely don't want that skill to be lost. Um, you know, being a female and not enough of us do it, you know, that we don't rally and encourage and support one another quite as well as we should. And I'm hopeful that when they leave the program, they're going to be comfortable with that skill and can be ambassadors to raise, you know, people up around them, but um, maybe even more importantly, so other women. But again, it's something, it's how I interact with them. It's something we talk about. I, I feel very, very strongly about it. So hence the fourth pillar, it got added in season three and it's here to stay. <laughs> that, that's awesome. I think it's, it speaks volumes to not only the type of coach you are, but the type of, you know, female leader that you are in human being right because we all want the same thing for for the next generation the same thing that i want for my daughter and and i think that's such a such a great not only a leadership attribute but just an amazing role model that you can be for those girls as their coach and i commend you for that oh, so thank awesome you yeah. i appreciate any, that yeah is there anything else that you'd like to offer maybe a tip one last tip or anything else to the coaches that are listening to our podcast that maybe could help them in their coaching journey as well yeah i think um just don't ever discount how important the the relationships are i think it's so easy sometimes to get lost in you know the recruiting the talent the numbers um but just don't discount it's it's a kind word when you need it um sometimes it's not saying anything right what like a kid's already beating themselves up enough sometimes they just need a hug i mean i think that's just this generation um you know i i, I came from the generation i think you did as well that we thrived on getting screamed at <laughs> 
just a little bit. Yes. That's not the case anymore, right? But if you've got a, everybody's relationship with their kids is going to, of course, be a reflection of, of them and their, their style and their personality and just who they are. And I, I think I had said this at the, the clinic in Michigan last week that I feel like there's so much access um, to information and coaches. And when I was a young coach, I feel like I would listen to something like this, or I would go to a clinic and I would try and take it back so literally, right. And implement it in the program. And I feel like I, we just kind of had somebody else's voice or I thought I needed to, you know, I try to, of course, I, I, I'm so blessed in my female mentors in the sport, um, Yvette Healy and Kim Schuette and Lindsay Chenard, who um, is now Lindsay Platt and, um, you know, doesn't, doesn't coach anymore, but I bounce for advice and ideas all the time. But I think as you move in on your journey, take some good pieces, pull it into your program if you think it's going to work, but let it keep your style and your personality and your flavor. If you're, you know, if you're being great to the people around you, they're going to be great back. And, um, but don't, like, you don't need to be anybody else. You just need to be you. And as long as, again, you're great to your kids and um, you have some glimmer of what you're doing and you're just making them really good people who work hard, everything, you know, it'll work itself out. But, um, you know, just, I guess, be you. That was, that was a tough one. That was some good advice I got early on. I think I had to figure that out the hard way too, just with the, yeah. with the, with the trying to emulate. Right. Yeah, you do. You do. And then you realize if I, if I'm just me and I'm authentic to my kids, they will, they will love you for who you are. And, and you show them that love and gratitude back. You get, you get so much more back than winning a game or hoisting a trophy at the end of the season. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good word for it just be authentic and that is it for today's episode mic drop right to keep up with coach bartlett you can follow her on twitter at coach bartlett that's c-o-a-c-h-b-a-r-t-l-e-t-t so did you find this show helpful for making it through quarantine and beyond and we truly appreciate if you share the show with a friend that you feel could benefit too If you're really feeling generous, please head to your podcast player of choice and give us a five-star review. Those little stars can help us reach more coaches like you as we build our club of sweet spotters and all make a bigger impact together. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions at any time, please feel free to reach out to me at mel at mentalsweetspot.com or shoot me a message on Twitter at coachmelrushing. And that is it for today. Remember to sign up for our bootcamp waitlist if you're interested. And until next week... Have a good one.